Let's um, hear God's word from Isaiah chapter 42. The servant of the Lord. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teaching the islands will put their hope. This is what God the Lord says. The creator of the heavens, who stretches them out, who spreads out the earth with all that springs from it, who gives breath to its people and life to those who walk on it. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. Thanks be to God for his word. And as Philip has uh, already explained, that this is plan B. Plan A uh, is filed away uh, and may emerge one other Sunday uh, for James chapter 3. Um, But when I heard the news of the Queen's death, uh, I I spoke to Dan and felt uh, it was important to to use this opportunity uh, to reflect on uh, our Queen, uh, on the life uh, that she lived uh, and how she lived it. Uh, Because this isn't about the Queen, but this is about who the Queen was and what she did and uh, the way in which she did it. And uh, as as those thoughts uh, came to my mind uh, very soon after the news of her death was announced, uh, that passage from Isaiah uh, was the one that came to me uh, almost straight away. There a prophecy of Jesus Uh, Jesus, who would be the suffering servant. Uh, And I felt that those words were very appropriate for us to use as a framework uh, as we uh, work through uh, our reflections today. And I hope they'll be helpful. So those words are indeed a prophecy of the time when Jesus, the Son of God, would be conceived by the Holy Spirit would be born to a virgin and live a life of servanthood on earth before being killed, taking the sins of all men and women on himself and then rising from the dead and ascending into heaven where he continues to be our servant king. And I believe that as we read those words, then we can draw a parallel, though I would emphasise I'm not making a direct comparison, but a parallel with the life of Queen Elizabeth II. She had, as we've already heard, a strong Christian faith. 
that was evident throughout her life in her words and her actions. And her personal faith was evident even before she was crowned. In her first uh, Christmas broadcast in 1952, she said this, Pray for me that God may give me wisdom and strength to carry out the solemn promises that I will be making and that I may faithfully serve him and you all the days of my life. Uh, and there's a bit of overlap between what Philippa says and I'm saying, but, but her Christmas broadcasts are among the few speeches that she wrote herself. That would be a good idea. Someone else could write a sermon for me. That would be a good idea. Right. I'll suggest that to Dan. Right. So, um, uh, but those speeches that she wrote uh, frequently refer to Jesus Christ, the founder of Christianity, uh, as it were. Um, the Queen expressed a personal faith in Jesus Christ. As she said in her Christmas broadcast in December 2000, for me, the teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. Uh, and I'd like us to hold on to those words uh, as we go through uh, this morning. The teachings of Christ and my own personal accountability before God provide a framework in which I try to lead my life. And at a coronation, as she was anointed with oil by the Archbishop, the prayers said over her invited God's Holy Spirit to set her apart as God's servant. In 2008, she said, I hope like me you will be comforted by the example of Jesus of Nazareth, who often in circumstances of great adversity managed to live an outgoing, unselfish and sacrificial life. And in 2012, she concluded her Christmas broadcast. It had been a really difficult year for her, if you remember, by praying for her people and inviting a practical servant-hearted response to Jesus Christ's message of love. This is the time of year when we remember that God sent his only son to serve, not to be served. He restored love and service to the centre of our lives in the person of Jesus Christ. It is my prayer this Christmas Day that his example and teaching will continue to bring people together to give the best of themselves in the service of others. And then just last December, in what was to be her final Christmas broadcast, after the loss of her husband, Prince Philip, she said this, and for me and my family, even with one familiar laugh missing this year, there will be joy in Christmas, as we have the chance to reminisce and see anew the wonder of the festive season through the eyes of our young children. Uh, they teach us all a lesson, just as the Christmas story does, that in the birth of a child there is a new dawn with endless potential. And in that year, she had welcomed four more children into her family. And she goes on to say, it is this simplicity of the Christmas story that makes it so universally appealing. Simple happenings that formed the starting point of the life of Jesus. A man whose teachings have been handed down from generation to generation and have been the bedrock, she says, of my faith. And I'm sure we will all have our personal reflections 
uh, and thoughts on the life and the reign of Queen Elizabeth uh, II. For, for many of us here, not all, but for many of us here, uh, she was our monarch and our only monarch for the last 70 years. Uh, for some, they may have memories of uh, the preceding time, uh, but for many of us, she's the only monarch that we've ever known. And later on in the service, I'm just going to give a, a short opportunity uh, for uh, anyone here to just share your thoughts, your reflections uh, on uh, perhaps your personal memories on Queen Elizabeth II. Uh, and I've got a personal experience of, of meeting the Queen. Uh, could put the uh, first picture up, please, Tracy. So in 2009, um, when I was uh, 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 working for a hospice, um, I was invited to a reception with the Queen and the Prince of Wales, uh, not the Prince of Wales, the Duke of Edinburgh, where did that come from? Uh, to be held at St James's Palace um, to celebrate the 25th anniversary of Help the Hospices, the UK hospice charity. Uh, and these pictures, there's another one here, uh, I think, is it, put the second one up, I'm not, is that the second one, thanks. Um, so I was there, I, I'm not in the pictures, I didn't make it to the pictures, and neither did I make it to speak to the Queen. Um, but we were, we were sort of put into groups of, of eight or so people. So the, the eight people from our hospice were in one group. Uh, and the first thing we were told as we were lined up in, in the long room at St. James's Palace um, is that uh, the Queen and Prince Philip would come in um, and they would split and go down. One would go down each half of the room. Uh, and we stood there thinking, well, are we going to get the Queen or are we going to get Prince Philip? You know, we didn't know. Uh, and uh, as, as she came in, so... Uh, we were pleased, I have to say, to notice that the Queen went on our side, so, so we knew that that was good. So. Um, and uh, she came and she spoke, and the, the plan was she would speak to one person in the group, um, and she honed in on our uh, medical consultant uh, from the hospice, uh, Steve Dyer, uh, and they, she spoke to him. Uh, and I was uh, standing about two people away, so that's my closest claim to fame, as it were. Um, and my recollection of the, of the, of the conversation um, is that she asked where our hospice was, uh, and Steve uh, replied and said, it's, it's in North Chaley, ma'am. Uh, and uh, she obviously looked a bit blank at that, and so he said, um, that's very near Plumpton Racecourse. At which point her face lit up, uh, because uh, she was very keen uh, on race, uh, uh, horse racing. Um, and uh, that was my experience, you know, and I will remember it. Uh, uh, and I was able to Google and put into Google and find those pictures of, of the event. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, I remember that's what she was wearing. So um, I, I sort of almost met the Queen. As we mourn the passing of the Queen, I would like to reflect on the nature and the character of Christian servanthood which is exemplified by Queen Elizabeth, but is not reserved purely for her to practice. Because what I want to say to you this morning is that we all can be servants of Jesus. And so I'd like to offer some thoughts on how we can recognise and acknowledge uh, uh, and develop some more servant-orientated hearts. Um, and in doing so, we need to recognise and acknowledge that, that Elizabeth didn't always get everything right. Um, she was human, like the rest of us. We don't always get everything right. But that doesn't stop us being servants of Jesus. I want also to tell you about someone else this morning 
Uh, next picture, please, Tracy. Earlier this, this year, uh, this is Vivian. Uh, Vivian is my former PA from the hospice, uh, and just a few months ago, she died uh, from, uh, after a long battle with cancer. Uh, and before she took early retirement from the hospice in 2015, she had been my strong support, uh, my right-hand woman, uh, for uh, the previous eight years. Viv was a quiet, self-effacing, dedicated PA, upon whom I could depend and did depend absolutely. Not only did she support me in my role, but she forgave me when I was wrong, and quite often told me when I was wrong. Uh, she guided me gently, or maybe not so gently, when she could see that guidance or correction was required. And she stood up for me when I was on the receiving end of a difficult trustee meeting, of which there were quite a few. She made me endless and countless cups of coffee. She baked wonderful cakes. And by some miracle, she could decipher my handwriting. And Vivian was also a Christian. And she would often tell me how she was praying for me or for a particular situation at work. And when we were dealing with difficult stuff, she would, I can remember, I can hear her now, she'd say, well, let's just keep praying. In a word, Vivian was a servant. She was one of God's chosen ones, in whom he delighted. And now he has exalted her to her rightful place in heaven with her saviour. So can I compare Vivian uh, to Queen Elizabeth II? Well, I'm, I'm going to just draw a comparison, because they, they were very different people, but they were both servants of God. God has many faithful servants, and as I look around this morning, I can see lots of God's faithful servants. Servanthood is worked out in many different ways, but there are some common characteristics. And I just want to take you through those uh, characteristics. Um, so the first one, uh, uh, thanks Tracy, is commitment, being called. And from Isaiah 42, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles. Queen Elizabeth took upon herself the role that, through no fault of her own, she had inherited. Uh, and it was placed upon her. And she did so with dedication and total commitment. And not to make any judgment, but just to compare that actually, as I mentioned earlier, uh, King Edward VIII took a decision uh, after just uh, a, a few months uh, that he would abdicate uh, the throne. Uh, Elizabeth didn't. She, and before she took the throne, she made a pledge. I declare before you, we've heard this many times this week, I'm sure, I declare before you that my whole life whether it be long or short, shall be devoted to your service. It's quite a statement from a 21-year-old, isn't it? And she held herself to that commitment. Many years later, as she celebrated her silver jubilee, she recalled that statement as she summarised her role and her relationship with her subjects. When I was 21, I pledged my life 
for the service of our people, she said. And although that vow was made in my salad days when I was green in judgment, I do not regret nor retract one word of it. Viv had been in post as a PA to the previous uh, chief exec before I took up my post. Uh, and when my predecessor handed over to me, uh, she told me quietly, uh, uh, it, it, uh, she took me aside and she said, um, I'm not sure that Viv will stay. She said, um, you know, now that I'm going, I, I'm not sure that she'll stay. How wrong she was. Uh, and when much later, I, 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 in a, uh, a quiet moment, I told Viv what I had been told, she was incredulous. <laughs> and she said, why shouldn't I have stayed? She said, it's what I do. I can remember her saying that. It's what I do. You know, it was her calling. Not because of my predecessor or because of me. You know, that was what she did. And she was a servant. And that was just what was natural to her. You think about Jesus for a moment. In Luke uh, chapter 2. Uh, and verse 49, uh, we read how uh, Jesus had gone to the temple and, uh, and he was missing. Um, uh, and uh, his parents couldn't find him. Uh, and they were quite concerned. So after three days, they found him in the temple courts sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me, he asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. He knew. He knew his place. He knew his calling. He knew his commitment. And then, at the very end of his life on earth, in chapter 22 of Luke, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, Take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Calling, commitment. The next one, another C, conscientious. Again, from Luke, uh, from Isaiah 42. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on the earth. It's well documented that Queen Elizabeth worked extremely hard. Uh, in one of, the, you may have seen, actually, I saw a picture of her, uh, of, of some film of her, um, with a red box in front of her and, and, uh, and, and going through papers. Um, uh, and in one of the many broadcasts over the past few days, uh, there have been references to her grasp of all the relevant issues. Uh, and Harold Wilson, former PM, was quoted as saying, 
Woe betide you. I won't do the imitation. I do do a Harold Wilson, but I won't now. Woe betide you. If you had not got a complete grasp of all the cabinet papers that you, were to, that you were due to discuss with her, because you knew that she would have read every one in full, she took her responsibilities extremely seriously. And likewise, Viv was absolutely focused on her role. Um, in the eight years that she worked for me, I never had... Uh, to, I, I thought hard, long and hard about this and I can't remember a time when I had to steer her back on course as it were, when I had to, to manage her, you know, she'd manage upwards quite often but she, you know um, she never had to be managed because she knew her job and she worked hard at it you know in that conscientious uh, approach, being diligent you know, I think I, I thought, so, so what do I want to think in respect of how Jesus would have acted in those times? And I was reminded um, by, of him uh, at the temple again, uh, but this time as a man uh, in uh, Matthew chapter 21. Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he healed them. In faithfulness, he will bring forth justice. He will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. As a servant, we need to be conscientious. And then, we also need to be considerate and caring. Isaiah 42, verse 2, He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smouldering wick he will not snuff out considerate, caring. I will not mention any names, but think about how the Queen acted in comparison to some of the politicians who served under her, whose conduct perhaps may be left much to be desired. And from what I know of, what I've seen of the Queen, her manner was sometimes firm but never bullying. Perhaps assertive, perhaps strong, but never to knock somebody down. And you know, similarly, I never saw Viv lose her temper or raise her voice. Um, I can remember one, one memorable time for me when uh, uh, one of my other uh, employees at the hospice uh, did lose it. Uh, and uh, came to see me and, um, uh, and was shouting at the top of his voice uh, in my office at me. Um, and uh, that came and went and we dealt with it, but, but, but afterwards Viv said to me, um, how, could someone be, how could someone do that to you? Uh, and she, was, she showed her considerate, her caring side in relation to how I had been, uh, been treated. Um, and she, she struggled to understand how somebody 
you know, would do that. And then there's Jesus in Matthew chapter 15. So Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. Let's go back to being conscientious, to being diligent. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. And Jesus called his disciples to them and said, I have compassion for these people. Another C, I have compassion. They've already been with me for three days and they've nothing to eat. I do not want them to send them, send them away hungry or they, or they may collapse on the way. And the, and the passage goes on to describe how Jesus gathers a few loaves and fishes together uh, and uh, the crowd were fed. I have compassion for these people. I have compassion. And then the final C I want to uh, bring you is to be conscious, to be perceptive, to be aware. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. You know, a good servant doesn't need to be asked to do something. They are able to perceive, they are conscious of where there is a need. They don't need to be told what needs to be done. And there is no accurate record, I'm sure, uh, of how many people the Queen spoke to over her 70 years of reign. But the consistent message from those who have had that experience is that whilst most of those conversations were necessarily brief, they were relevant, they were understanding, they were pertinent to that individual. She took an interest in people, in who they were, what they did and what their concerns were. And you know, I was thinking about Viv and, and thinking about how she would quite frequently you know, take me quietly on one side. We, we, you know, we'd, we'd get to work about the same time in the morning. We'd, we'd you know, pass the time of day. She'd make me a cup of coffee, you know, and, um, uh, and we'd chat. You know, and quite often in those times, she'd say, did you know? She, she'd tell me something about somebody who worked or volunteered at the hospice. You know, some, some little relevant detail about their personal situation. Uh, and and she, you know, just, just to make you aware of that, you know, really helpful really helpful in terms of just understanding um, and, and supporting people. Her servant consciousness and her understanding gave her a great sense of where people were at uh, and what their needs were. Uh, and there was a passage that came to my mind immediately I was thinking about this uh, in terms of Jesus. Uh, and um, Jesus is... Uh, in the crowd, in Mark chapter 5. A large crowd followed and pressed round him. And a woman who was there was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. 
And when she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once, Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned round in the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? And I thought that is as an example. There are many others uh, I could have used of Jesus's deep understanding and perception of the people who were around him. You know, Jesus looked. Uh, I can just, you know, I, if Jesus was here now and looked at me, you know, I just have a. He would know about me. He would know about me. He would know that 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 depth, what's going on inside me because he was conscious as a servant of people's needs. Four C's then, committed, conscientious, considerate and conscious. That may seem like a tall order. But in one of her Christmas addresses to the nation, the Queen, speaking of her Christian faith, talked about doing small things with great love. Taking small steps which together can lead to great results. Ten chapters on in Isaiah, chapter 52, we read this, see my servant will act wisely. Another prophecy. See my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. That is what God is offering, is promising to those who serve him. And that, that was a prophecy uh, of Jesus' uh, coming to earth. But I believe that prophecy applies to all who work as servants of God. And I want to encourage you this morning to say, you know, don't be daunted by the example of a great woman such as Queen Elizabeth II, or in my mind, you know, a great woman such as Vivian. Because actually, the development of a Christian servant heart isn't often achieved overnight. It's a journey, and it's one in which we can all engage little by little. You know, we are served in this church by Dan, our pastor, who this morning is running or may have run uh, the Great North Run. Um, depends how fast he's going. He may have completed it, he may not. You know, but, but actually, you know, this morning, he will be making that 13.1 miles journey step by step. You know, and at the beginning, he'll, he probably would have been standing there a bit apprehensive. He's, oh, it's no big deal. He said, it's only 13 miles, he said to me when I was talking. Only 13 miles? <laughs> Good luck to you then, boy. But, but, um, but at the beginning, you know, he will have had that journey in front of him. And you know, that's like us now. We've got a journey in front of us. You know. Our new king said yesterday, I haven't written this down, so I haven't got the direct quote, but he said, you know, for as long as I have left to live, or worse to that effect. You know, he's starting a journey. So don't feel that, that you... You've failed wherever you are in your life. You haven't. You're, you're on that journey. And from now on, we can all do more to become servants 
of God. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5 we read this, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Sometimes translated as the same attitude as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by, by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. For this morning I've been talking about our servant queen, but Jesus was and is the ultimate servant king. Queen Elizabeth was a good servant, but she wasn't perfect. I'm sure she didn't get everything right, and if, if my dear Viv were here with us today, she would be saying, oh, for goodness sake, what are you talking about? <laughs> She wouldn't agree with all my glowing recollections. And none of us are perfect. But we can all seek to be more like Jesus. And I, as I conclude now, we're going to listen uh, in a moment to a very well-known song which summarises Jesus' life and way of living. Uh, and once we've done so, then I'm just going to invite, if you have a personal reflection a personal memory uh, of Queen Elizabeth II, and you'd like just to come and share that in terms of the relevance of what we're talking about today, um, then please do. It may be that that's not the case, but we'll just have a, a moment where uh, if you've got just something brief to share, then, then just come and, and share it, and we can share in that uh, together. Because um, uh, it's good to have those opportunities. But uh, we're going to listen now uh, to uh, the Servant King.